Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 881 with said Moses. We're going deep into Pouring with Hearts, the book. Successful with our initial mission to build 10 bars in downtown LA, basically on Skid Row. But now we're on to a much bigger mission, which is to build 2,030 careers in the bar business by 2030. Are you ready for It Factors? Success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. This episode is brought to you by Sculpture Hospitality. Are you sick of managing your inventory? If the answer isn't yes, um, I'll be surprised. Honestly, I'll be a little surprised. Uh, and if the answer was yes, then there's Sculpture Hospitality out there looking to help you. Leave your inventory management to the experts while you focus on making your customers happy. With Sculpture, not only can they do the physical inventory counting for you, but they can dive into your inventory data, combining that with your sales and purchase data using seamless integrations to give you real insights and visibility into your restaurant's profitability and putting your profits back where they belong. If you're ready to gain complete visibility and control of your bar or restaurant inventory, get a free, no obligation inventory consultation from Sculpture Hospitality. Visit sculpturehospitality.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. 
What up, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder, this podcast needs your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. That's whenever a tool or service is recommended organically. We just basically get a commission for you clicking links and sending people their way, and it's a huge way to support the show. You can share this podcast with everyone you know in the restaurant industry, and you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network where we're building community, and we're letting you be a part of the conversation. So today, Today we're talking to said Moses and said if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was literally just on the show like four episodes ago. And one of the things I'm trying to do here at Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm increasingly trying to focus on this idea of impact, not about reach, not about quantity, but, but, but it's about quantity and making an impact and going deeper. And my way of doing that going to the future, what I'm going to try to be much better about, and this is an example of that, is I'm really just listening. I'm really going deep into my work and showing my work. So we had said Moses on the show. I, I read his book. I interviewed him to share his story when we were in Los Angeles. And today we're really diving into his book, Pouring with Heart, the essential magic behind the bartenders we love. And I'm pulling some of the elements from this book that really just kind of resonate with me. I wanted to go deeper and this is how I'm doing that just by continuing the conversation. And when I'm having some of these, these restaurant tours on the show, they're giving me clues. They're giving me hints. They're giving me leads. And I'm just going to go follow those leads and take you guys on this journey with me. And that's what's happening today. We, we discovered said's book when we're in Los Angeles and we had him on the show to share who he was. And now we're going deep into that book to kind of really pull back the layers and some of the biggest lessons he's learned as a leading bar owner in the country over, I think I want to say at 26 locations. Now and we talk about this. He's looking to scale like crazy in the next 10 years. And it'll be really interesting to follow that journey. But with no further ado, here he is again, said Moses, founder of Pouring with Hearts and author of Pouring with Hearts, the essential magic behind the bar. Tenders, we love. Enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and chief vision officer of Pouring with Heart, said Moses. Said, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. I'm feeling great. Thanks. So if the name said and, and if this, this voice of said sounds familiar, it's because he was just on the show, episode 877. Uh, and we we briefly mentioned his book, Pouring with Heart. Here's the cover right here. If you guys are looking at the video and uh, today we're going to go deeper. We're going to dive into what it means to pour with heart. And we're also going to talk about the I don't know, the legit, the the legitimacy of the bar career, the bar back, the bartender career, and the role of bars in society and why they're so significant. And I'm really excited for this conversation. I loved your book. I I mean, I listened to this thing and I read it on the flight out to Los Angeles and I was going crazy the entire time. Um, you can see I have highlights all over this thing. I don't know if you guys can see it through the camera, but uh, it was it was a great book. I, I cannot wait to dive into it, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us, Ed? All right. My, our mantra is we were successful with our initial mission to build 10 bars in downtown LA, basically on Skid Row. Um, but but now we're on to a much bigger mission, which is to build 2030 careers in the bar business by 2030. How far so, away are you from that? How many more careers do you have to, how many, how many careers are there right now? 
We have 400. Okay. Under 400. So we, we've got to grow 500% in the next eight years. And, uh, and, but it's all about building careers for, for, uh, other, other people like, like ourselves that are committed and love, love taking care of other people and, and, uh, pouring drinks. And that's so significant. And it's one of the big lessons I've learned. One of the kind of pivotal points for me is this understanding that success in this industry isn't about doing things to help yourself. It's about doing things to help other people and especially creating careers for other people and opportunity for other people. And when you take on that mentality, what happens said, how does, how is, did, did that shift happen for you at some point? Yeah, that shift happened for me. I, I think I talked about already on the mantra that initially my goals were all about building bars, but then along the way I learned the magic was all about the people in the business. So I, I switched gears with our company, with me and my company and, and making it more about building, building people up and building careers for, for, for people like us that want to work in this business and, and hospitality. And, and, uh, that changed my life and it changed, it changed our company, it made us um, much more purpose focused and much more successful ultimately too. When did you figure this out though? How long ago? Like, is there a moment? Is there, was there a piece of advice somebody gave to you? Was there an experience you had? Can you, can you bring it back to a moment? It really happened for me. Um, after building our first bar down in downtown LA, we were on, on a track of building 10, 10 bars downtown, which everyone thought was insane at the time since it was so dangerous in downtown LA. I covered that in my last podcast with you, but yeah, but along that way, I've, I discovered the magic of, of, um, and how, and how that actually ultimately led to the success of our bar and our bar group was our people and and the more we better we took care of each other and looked out for each other that 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 spread onto our customers and made overall made our bars create created soul and and a foundation in our bars that made them unstoppable to yeah, use your words i love i like what you did there yeah, I it. I, uh, we we really took Golden Gopher, our first bar, from the probably the worst bar in the country that I've ever been to. I've been to thousands of bars, definitely the most dangerous bar <laughs> I've ever been to in, into in this country, and turned it into one of the most exp- ex- successful neighborhood bars in Los Angeles and maybe even California. So, um, so. That made us feel like we were. Yeah. If, if you want to listen to the story, <laughs> yeah, if you want to listen to the story of what that bar was like back in 2001, the Golden Gopher, uh, make sure you check out episode 877. It was literally like two weeks ago we published this episode. And uh, one of the things I'm trying to do in the show is really go deeper. I'm trying to make an impact. And I think one of the best ways you can make an impact is instead of trying to pull more relationships into your network, into your life, go deeper with the relationships you have. Um, and uh, that's kind of how I'm trying to pour with heart here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, and I, I kind of can't wait to get into like, what what does it, so what we're going to cover today is what it means to pour with heart. And we're also going to get into the significance of just the, the role bars have in society the role they've had in in the past, like historically into this day in the significance of the role of a bartender or bar back. Are we aligned said? Absolutely. All right. So what does it mean to pour with heart? All right. Well, I'm, I love 
getting a chance to go through this. Thank you. Of course. And, and expose more people to the to magic I found in the business. I feel like I, at this point in my career, I really want to give back. And is this business has made me so successful and my, my, and uh, made our, our bar group so successful. And so we, what we did is we took that magic that we discovered in the bar business and put a term, made a term, put terminology to it. And pouring with heart was the expression we use really for our type of hospitality in the bar business that's made that, that we think is so significant to, to creating regulars in, in your bar or your restaurant. Um, and we call it pouring with heart. And we actually renamed our bar group after that, just to, just to let our customers know that that's our brand promise. That's what we want to, that's what we want to project every day and, and what our bartenders and staff are responsible for showing up and doing each day. We wanted it to be part of our DNA and part of our, what, what we bleed every day. Um, and so what, what is pouring with heart? It is to put your heart and soul into being of service to the person right in front of you. Not anyone, not groups of people, not it's, it's a one-on-one thing of building trust and connection with one person where they feel like you have their back, that you're there for, for them, that it's non-transactional, that it's more about you'll do whatever it takes to make sure they have a good time. So we'll get into the details of what that looks like. So I know in, in your book, you have tons of details of what you call legendary bartenders or legends in the industry. And you give examples of what they do and what their interpretation of pouring with heart, which is one of the great things about this book is the, the examples you give, but give me some examples of what it means. Like when you have somebody come join your team and they are new to your, your organization and they haven't quite drank the Kool-Aid yet on what it means to pour with heart. What is that pitch? What, like, what are the examples you're giving them to kind of set that example of what it means to pour with heart? Well, what we do is in our group is we hire based on, on our values. We hire people that love to connect with other people by being of service to them. And those, those are people what, which we call have the hospitality gene. You can't, in our mind, you can't teach people to be nice and good people. That was up to their parents. So inherently, we want to hire people that like taking care of other people, that like people. And um, then, then it's really just about helping them tap, know that it's okay to be vulnerable and open themselves up to other people and be of service to total strangers. Um, and pouring with heart the beautiful thing about it is is that everyone has you know has a pounding heart in their chest and it's just the ability to tap into that and and op- open yourself up to strangers and be yourself that's what's beautiful is everyone has their own distinctive way to pour with heart if, and it it's easiest way to visualize it is opening your heart and your home up to your family and, and closest friends when they come over to your house, that, that ability to be gracious and make everyone feel comfortable, safe, seen, and heard in your home. 
and treating your bar or your restaurant like it is your home and opening your opening your heart to those people and making them feel seen and heard. It's okay. just something so missing in society today. Yeah, I mean, you're dropping gold on us, and I really want to drill down to see if I can't get to like the the vein. Like, you give us a bunch of things. One, the importance of vulnerability. Two, making people feel comfortable. Three, making people feel safe. Four, making people feel seen. I think these are all different things that we can drill down into to really tell people how do you do this? How do you? How do you? Like, first, let's just start with vulnerability. Why is vulnerability? Why? Why does it all start with making yourself vulnerable? And how do you teach your staff to become vulnerable? What does that do? Yeah, it's 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 a hard thing to teach. It's 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 a, I think it's um, especially for men in in today's culture. I think men uh, we grow up thinking that being vulnerable is a sign of being of weakness yeah. and a sign of uh, and that men are supposed to be strong and men are supposed to be never show their, their, their emotions and never show their vulnerability. Right. Um, so I think, I think it, it's even harder for, for men. I think women have an easier time, um, being, being vulnerable and, and being, um, and having empathy and connection with other people. So that's why women make such great bartenders and generally and, and great leaders as well, in my mind, because they're, they, they're, they're, just naturally have a higher social emotional intelligence than men do. Um, but even us guys are capable of it too. And yeah. it's just about putting our guard down and, and, and I think vulnerability makes us more, more human. Yeah. It makes us more, um, you know, letting people know when they come in your bar that, that, Hey, you don't know that you're vulnerable. Um, they feel vulnerable when they walk in because they're in a new bar. They've never been to, for example, might be intimidating all the whiskeys behind the bar or the crowd might be in, intimidating to them the first time they come in. So for you, for you, just being opening yourself up and letting them know, Hey, I'm, I'm starting with your name and starting with the fact, Hey, um, maybe something about yourself or uh, apologizing that the room's so busy and um, really making people feel comfortable. Yeah, I think that goes into being to- seen, uh, but I want to just tag on to this idea of vulnerability because I think it's so powerful. And the the analogy I like to use, the example I like to use is when you walk up to a, a strange dog and that, that dog is nervous, the first thing that dog is going to do if it's passive, it's going to roll over on its back and it's going to expose its belly. It's becoming vulnerable and that's, that's the dog's vulnerable. That's the weakness is my belly is that's where all my guts are. That's where you can do the most damage. So when you, mm-hmm. when you roll over on your back and you become vulnerable and you, and you reveal your weaknesses right away, we know that you're not a threat. So it's, it's really just getting to that point where you're, you're willing to expose your weaknesses, your, your true self and open up. What you're doing is you're opening up. You're becoming vulnerable because I have no secrets now. Like, you know, the real me and, and that just lowers guards. Um, and what do you do? What, do, what happens when the dog rolls over on its back? Most people 
want to get down on their knees and scrub the crap out of that little belly, right? And that's just the natural reaction of what happens when you get vulnerable is when you open up, you you bring people in. And it's just so powerful to and I mean, it's one of the reasons why I talk about my weaknesses publicly on the show, you know? Like when we when we reveal our weaknesses, we we lower guard. And that just brings people and makes people feel safe. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're we're human beings. None of us are perfect and yeah. we all we all have our weak strengths and weaknesses and, and, uh, and I love that analogy because with dogs, yeah, my dog, my dog Lola does the same thing. She loves to roll over on her back and, and, uh, she, she gets freaked out by other dogs, but as soon as they do the same thing, then she doesn't know, she knows she's not in, in fight mode or yeah. fight and flight mode. I think it pulls people out of that fear mode and, and uncomfortability mode when somebody's vulnerable um, then it then it tells them it's okay for them to be vulnerable too and, and Build admit, trust. hey 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 I don't I've never been here before and what's what's up with this place I feel a little intimidated by all these whiskeys and all these amazing cocktails you have like what should I get um, I have no clue what I'm do what you know it's my first time it's like that's okay it's okay to be vulnerable and when a customer orders a drink you don't know as a bartender it's okay to admit you don't know the drink and. And say, hey, well, how do we make that drink? Or let's look it up together and f- figure out how to make it together. Yeah, that's a great and point. That, and and um, you know, I think we're all we're all human beings, and and uh, we there's no way for all of us to know everything. And and uh, anybody that pretends they do that that kind of throws off other people too. They feel intimidated, or they feel uncomfortable when somebody is acting um, too too dominant or too superior to them or are pretentious. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example of uh, an example of somebody might, that might walk into your bar and say, you do have 50 things of like whiskey behind you or bourbon behind you. And maybe you're an elevated bar and maybe the person walking into this bar isn't as educated as you on these things. The first, like the first thing you do is you don't make them feel like an outsider you say, it's okay. There's a lot of stuff behind me. Like I was overwhelmed when I got here too. And and I think that's a perfect example of what happens when of, that's what it means to be vulnerable. Like I, I was lost at one point too. You're not alone. You're just like us. And instead of making that person feel isolated, like you've never heard of that. You've never tried that. Like you're not in the right place. You know, like that's a good example. Yeah. To me, bars are about inclusivity and mm-hmm. opening yourself up to and, and including people in, into your family and into your bar and, and to, and to be friends and family and, and feel like it's their bar too. So you also, sorry, do you want to keep going? Yeah. And, and to make them feel the ultimate is when you make them feel like you have their back, Yeah, not just by saying you have their back, but, but making them feel like they have your back. Um, Danny Meyer has a great um, take on that. The, the, brilliant restaurateur um, that I think we all look up to most recommended business. book on the show. <laughs> yeah. He, he's uh, yeah. He's, he's, he's written a great book on hospitality and um, he has a hot, he defines kind of a, a hospitality golden rule. We all grew up with knowing what the golden rule is do unto others as they do unto you. But he takes it one step further with hospitality and it's do unto others as they want done onto them. So it's, it's about figuring out what, what they want and how they want to be treated. And you can only do that when you're 
open yourself up and listen and and make sure you see and hear what those people are saying and what 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 they want from that experience when they're in your bar or, or restaurant. This goes for restaurants just as much as bars too. Yeah, I mean, these are all little nuggets of gold you're dropping on us. Uh, you mentioned earlier the, the the significance of being gracious and comfortable, uh, creating people, creating a safe space, and, and helping people be seen. Um, are there things that you teach your staff from like the very first impression? Things you can do to make people feel seen, like like how deep do you take this with your staff when it comes to training and teaching people how to, to pour with heart? Yeah, we. We, we, our staff, um, they do, they do exercises with our staff and mock, mock, um, mock, you know, mock service and, and so forth to get through people. But I think it's ultimately just about getting people to feel, to, to, to feel comfortable and be comfortable in their own skin. We, we believe there's no script to this. As soon as you put a script to pouring with heart and a script to service, then it loses the heart. It loses the ability to tap in, to be, to be authentic and to be yourself. For example, we have one bartender that tells when people walk in, he's, he's a punk rock guy. He's got a big grin on his face all the time. And when you walk into his bar and and serve with him and you look like somebody that belongs there, he says, go fuck yourself. (laughs) With a big grin on his face. There's no script for that, obviously. And when they say it back to him, go fuck yourself. And he pours him a shot and his grin gets even bigger. And he says, welcome to the bar. Yeah. But there's so much, I mean, what do they say? 5% of what, of, of, like, what is it? Like of total communication, of all the communication that happens in person, only 5% of that is what you say. Everything else is body language, the tone, the things you do. And, and in that moment, like he's being like, I remember like when I was, I was, I was working at a, a restaurant. I was just, I was a new hire and it was a corporate restaurant and they had things you had to say at, at every stage of the, the guest journey. And I remember being so consumed with making sure I said the right thing that I was nervous and just focused on that, making sure I'm saying the right things and following the protocol that I wasn't present. And I was, my anxiety was like overwhelming my presence you know, because I, I was so afraid right. of saying the wrong thing when you just hire for attitude. Like you say, it's a, the number one thing you said is you hire for values and you make sure they're a good fit and just let them be themselves. What's the difference? What's going on there? It's a huge difference. It's and and you know, that that's, that's real hospitality in my mind when it comes from your heart and not from your head or, or from, from a script scripted hospitality feels inauthentic and makes doesn't make me feel comfortable when I go into a place. Um, it, it makes me feel like, Oh, this place is maybe not my, not my cup of tea. And it feels forced. doesn't feel authentic and doesn't make me feel more comfortable being there. It makes me feel awkward and makes me not want to come back. Yeah. So there's, there's 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 a study that kind of shows that there's a study by the National Institute for Food Service that showed the number one reason people don't return to to a restaurant or bar is not the food, the lighting, the the drinks are, are, 
you know, the music or any of those things, the number one reason by a landslide is the ambivalence of the staff. So that's when the, in other words, when the staff doesn't give a shit and when you force the staff to, to work from a script or you're, or you're micromanaging staff, they're, they're not, they're not going to feel connected with that venue as, as well as they would if you're letting them be themselves and, and letting them open themselves up the way they feel comfortable to guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we find we've had a lot more success just just letting people create almost their own brand of hospitality individually. And that way we all, all have a chance to be hospitable and gracious to other people in our own way. Um, Is there a bounce that can be met? Because, I mean, you, you think about the, this, the, where, where do you draw the line of consistency and being yourself? Brand consistency and individual consistency. Um, well, the brand is, is, is related to, I think, um, you know, related to whatever the concept is and, and our brand is pouring with heart. It's about being in yourself and being present with other people and being there for people and being there for each other. Um, but I, to me, I think that's what hospitality is all about. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're living the life of, of being hospitable, then then it's much easier to to for that to be projected in your bars and restaurants. Um, and when you're not, when you're living life of micromanaging people and screaming and yelling at people, it's hard for that to translate to the cust- ultimately to the customer. It's it's not they're not going to feel the love they would when the whole venue is built around looking out for each other and being there for each other and being hospitable and gracious to each other. Yeah. It's just a, a completely different atmosphere and a completely different experience that's created. Um, so, so, um, so, so I, I, I think the brand that that's, that's what hospitality is about. Your brand on top of that is something like we have whiskey focused bars. We have, beer focus bars, there's restaurants with, of every type of cuisine there is out there. Um, but I think ultimately people, yeah. Studies show that people aren't really there just for the food or the drinks. They're there for something else. You're reminding me of Cameron Mitchell's words from Mitchell, Cameron Mitchell restaurants based out of Columbus, Ohio, and they have tons of restaurants. But basically what he told me during that conversation is at the core, all of your businesses are exactly the same. You're just putting a, a different exterior. It, it's like it's, you're putting a different exterior on it. The example he uses, uh, it's like we all have the same systems. Like in a car, like the systems are the same. The, the brakes are the same. The motor is the same. The every all the systems underneath the outer shell of that car are the same. And once you figure out what your identity is as a group, then you just put a different shell on the outside. And I'm hearing something similar with you, where at the core of pouring with heart. It's your, your brand is your individuality and your, your, your ability to attract onto yourself people who care and who want to be there for the, the patrons. And then you're just putting a different brand on the outside of that. But at the core, that's who you are. Exactly. That the core is who we are and that that's our values. And that's at the core of, of all our bars. And I think it's at the core of hospitality in general, what we serve 
you know, some of the bars might serve different food and different drinks and it might have a, t- a different look to the space, but at the core, the values and the hospitality are, 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 are the concept yeah. and, and the brand. So one thing that's been a hot topic on the show recently is this idea of baking your culture, your brand into processes and systems. Uh, to make sure that who you are resurfaces constantly day to day. How do you guys make sure your people don't get lackadaisical or lose sight of what it is that makes you you? How do you resurface this regularly to remind people we're here to pour with heart? Um, we, I mean, with that, I think each of our GMs has a different style of, of staying on top of his people. Um, but one thing we do is we, we, we make sure that our staff is seen and heard. We can't, what we expect them, the way that we expect them to treat their, our customers, we have to treat them the same way. In other words, as leaders in the company. So it's hard, it's hard to tell a, a bartender to have someone's back when you don't have their back, for example. Exactly. Um, so, um, so we live it within our culture every day and every, and and expected that our leaders are meeting are being as hospitable to our staff as, as they expect the staff for our customers. Yes. That is the best answer really. And this is how you started your whole, your whole business. If you guys haven't heard episode 877, go back to that because we talk about this in your story. The the thing that was your guiding star, your your north star in the very beginning was you just wanted your people to feel safe. That was your number one priority. I think that that because that was the the backbone of what you stood for from day one is just making sure your your, your employees stayed safe. I think it naturally flowed over, and I think that's how you bake these things into your cultures. If if you say we're here to make our guests feel safe. My job is to make you feel safe and secure within this job. And that just trickles down. And that that's the essence of enlightened hospitality. Is it not? Exactly. Yeah. From there, from there, people stand out. If they're not, if you have their back and everyone else on the staff has their back and that person does, doesn't have the rest of the staff's back, that person sticks out like a sore thumb and, and, will be blackballed by the rest of the staff and eventually leave or, or be let go because they don't, they don't, they don't um, jive with the culture. They don't, they don't fit with our values and what we're all about. So uh, ultimately our staff ends up holding, holding each other accountable for, for our values and for being hospitable and gracious on a day-to-day basis. What are things that pour and, in? And, that, and that's more beautiful than me going in there and telling people what to do. Yeah. When your own staff is holding each other accountable for being gracious and pouring with heart with, with each other and with customers, then it makes all of our jobs a lot easier. Are there things you do to make sure your staff holds each other accountable? Are there things that come up or reminders or sayings or mantras. Yeah, well, our, 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 our hiring practices are based on our values more, even more than experience in our bars. So, and our, and people, people can basically be let go for, for breaking our values, for not living up to, to the values and the, and, and they're definitely not going to be, not going to be, um, 
promoted if they're not living our values. Yeah. That's another thing is we promote people and we, we reward people based on our, on living our values. Share your values with us one more time. I had you do it the first time around, but I'm going to make sure you do it a second time just to kind of drive home. I think it's important to, to see examples of what great, and great organizations have for values in case we don't have our own written down yet. It's good for inspiration. So what are they one more time? Sure. Yeah. Failing forward one. is, is one uh, connect by serving others. Take the high road. Uh, stay weird. That's kind of original one for us. And that's really, I can explain that more to um, humility and gratitude, strive for humility and gratitude. Um, and the last one is friends and family. Mm. Um, stay weird. Some people ask about that one. That was kind of the last value that we ended up adding. And for us, that's, it's about being yourself and being comfortable. You know, all, all of us are maybe a little bit weird in our own way, right? What's normal anymore. I I don't even know what normal is is and i don't want personally i don't really want to be normal i think it's okay for us to all have our own eccentricities and our own level of weirdness and in our culture we encourage people to be themselves and and i think we remember each other for our own eccentricities and own distinct personality and and what we are away from being normal so-called normal so it allows us to really celebrate each other and each other's what the fact that we all come from different places and different families and different might have different, you know, sexual have different gender, sexual orientation, different colored skin. All of that is, is part of who we are, all that diversity. It's almost like something we, we celebrate that every day. I feel like it's a double edged, like, or two edged, I don't know, double edged, I feel like is like a good and bad, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it has double meaning when I hear stay where, cause one, yes, absolutely. Um, it's that freedom to be yourself, but on the, the flip side, it's also that mindset of we embrace diversity. So like mm-hmm. if somebody comes in who's different, it's like that reminder that like, this is what we're after. We want diversity. We want people to be different. And and I think that that's what I hear when I, when I, when I hear, you know, embrace the weird or whatever the be weird. I can't remember exactly what you said. Um, what goes through my mind is like, it's important to be diverse and, in, and you want people to feel like they can be themselves, but you also want to remind people to accept the weirdness because that's what we're about. Ultimately it is about acceptance mm. and we want our people to be, to feel accepted and feel safe and comfortable working for us and being themselves. It's like, it sucks to have to pretend to be someone else to be accepted. Right. Yeah. It's much better when we're all accepted for who we are. I think that's what professionalism is. You know, it's weird. Like, so like I have a problem with that expression professionalism, because if you look up the definition of professionalism, it's literally to do your job well. But when we think of professionalism in the corporate setting, it's a way to act. It's a way to be. It's a very bland way to be that is accepted by everybody because the last thing you want to be is offensive to a particular person or group, right? Um, exactly. And I think that that whole idea of professionalism needs to die because that's why people, I think, don't last in the big corporate world is because they, they, they have to 
show up to that professional self every day, which is one reason why I love the restaurant industry is because it's it's been historically a place for misfits and people who don't who aren't willing to sacrifice who they are for a paycheck. Exactly. My, I, I consider myself a misfit and I'm creating 2030 careers for 2030 fellow misfits. Yeah, man. My, myself. And uh, yeah, we're, we, we don't want to be normal. We, we want to, we want to be ourselves and I think that's okay. And, yeah. us, and, and that's what, that's what a good, great bar should be about. And a great bar culture should be about yeah. embracing, embracing, that acceptance and freedom to be ourselves. And I think you can still be professional in what you do in your career, but yeah, if you're going by the traditional true, but, definition but, but, of professionalism, but, 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 but you got to be yourself. Exactly. And, and, uh, and that's okay to be yourself and be accepted for being yourself. And that's, that's really important. And I think a lot of work environments, that's not the case. And I think that's when ultimately the staff might not feel that, that behind behind that bar or behind that restaurant when they feel like they can't be accepted for being themselves and act like who they are when they're in that, when they're working there. Um, Yep. Said this is a great spot to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll come right back to kind of talk about some things that I found really intriguing uh, in your book. One of the idea of your, your heart having its own brain Two, we're going to get into some chemicals, specifically serotonin and dopamine. And uh, you get into detail on those in your book as well. And um, then we're going to talk about the role of bars and uh, bartenders in society. I can't wait. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Plate IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Plate IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Plate IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Plate IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. All right, we're back. And uh, 
there are a couple of things that you pointed out in the book, um, some science. I mean, it's not just, we're not just talking about feel good woo woo stuff here. There's a lot of science that backs up what we're talking about, the, the importance of caring and being generous and being seen um, and just being warm and giving like all these things that we've been discussing. What is the, what is the science that backs us up? Yeah, well, I think I, I already cited the study that's really backs it up that the number one people reason people don't come back to your bar or restaurant is, is is when the staff doesn't give doesn't care about where they work and don't really care about their customers. Um, so the way to really get people back is to do the opposite of that is is to is to go is to really is when you can get your staff to really give a shit about their the bar or restaurant they work at. And, and, and the only way to do that is to really is support them and have their back and make them feel comfortable there. And then they make the staff, the customer come comfortable and then the customer wants to come back. And that's pretty big. That study I think is really key for us, but the science really behind it too about our own heart is, is really interesting. Um, you know, the, the fact is our heart is, is, is our, you know, the first organ in our body to start working, to bring us to life. And it's the, the one that is the last one to die in our body. It's, it forms it's before the big, brain. Yeah. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the heart, you know, is, 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 has its own, um, neurons within it. It has its own brain with, you know, that's what modern science is has discovered that our heart has an, an internal brain within it as well. And so it sends emotional cues to our brain to tell our brain how to, how to respond to things, for example. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually so, just, I just finished watching the series on Netflix. That is all about, it's like a documentary, like a docu-series on life after death, uh, different theories and evidence that shows that there is life after death. And one of the things that they point to for the longest time, they thought once the brain stops, once the, the brain stops getting oxygen, you're dead. And that's technically how your, your heart stops and your brain stop, stops functioning. You're dead. Um, but they're showing now that like people have been dead for 30 minutes and uh, they, they are able to bring these people back. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that like it's the heart. That's the last thing to die too. So if you can resuscitate the heart, you know, which is the last thing to hang on. So it starts with the heart and it ends with the heart was what they're starting to figure I, out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, old cultures, the, Egyptians, for example, believed the the soul resided within our within our hearts, and now modern science is basically starting to support that in a lot of ways. That the heart is the center, you know, that that, that of, of connection and and the center of 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 the love that that's felt um, between you know between human beings and and. Uh, and so I think to discount the heart is to discount what's really human about in all of us and, and is, is our greatest tool for, for connection and for building business within our bars and restaurants. Um, I know and- in, in the, the book, you cite a woman who is behind the author of the heart speaks Mimi. Uh, I'm not sure how to say her last name. Do you know how to say her last name? Um, 
I can't remember what it is. It's, I think right it's Gour- Gournier. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying Gournier. to. Oh, Gournier. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gournier. Um, Gournier, I think it is. Is there any other research you've done or any other point? Because I would love to go deeper into the subject of what they figured out. Like, I think it would be really fascinating to dive deep into the science behind these neurons in the heart and what this implements or what, what this implies. And what they're like, I, do you know of anybody who's an expert on this beyond what you know? Um, I've been looking for other sources, so I, I'll, I'll have to get back to you on yeah, that. Yeah, if you but, find anything. But this book was a great source, The Heart Speaks, Heidi Grenier. She devoted her, ended up devoting her life to studying study, studying the heart, and and uh, she was a, a, a physician, physician that studied traditional medicine but decided that the heart was more powerful than a lot of the a lot of the tools used by doctors that the, the, the act of being tender and, and caring for people um, sometimes improved people's health more than the medicine given to them. I think I need to get her on the show. I think she would be a great guest to dive into this. I, the, the focus on the heart and the power of the heart, uh, yeah. especially, yeah, especially one study is pretty fascinating about that, that young girl that, that got the heart of, of, of a, of someone that was killed and uh, was ba- basically had the memories through that transplanted heart was able to solve the murder of the, of the, of the victim of the heart that she received in her own body. What was she, what were the visions she was getting or the memories she was getting? Do you know? She was able to remember the killer's name, the killing wow. situation and recreate the whole crime and murder that happened just from the memories the, from that transplanted heart. It just shows the power, you know, that, the, the, you know, that it's true that our, that our hearts have a brain within them. They also have a energy field that, that extends a magnetic field that extends 10 feet from our body. Um, that's, that's 50 times as powerful as the, the energy field around our, our brain. There is a magnetic field from our brain, but the one from our heart is much more powerful. And I use the example in my book um, that, you know, that when you're face to face with a customer across a bar, you're you're within that 10 foot energy field between your two hearts. So there is a magnetic field that's generated between those two people from each other's hearts. This is the, the exact reason why I drive my ass around the country to sit across the table from people, because I, I just know there there's, it's hard to explain. I mean, I feel like once you meet somebody for the first time and you make that heart to heart connection, it sustains a little bit. Um, you, you kind of get into that field and you get a piece of that person that kind of carries along with you, which is why I feel like it's easier than to have remote conversations with people. But, yeah. There's nothing like face to face connection and and i think we we in hospitality we fail to 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 stress the importance of that and so that's why pouring with heart is is like our dna because it really is about that face-to-face connection where those hearts do have a chance to to let down our guards and 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 uh and appreciate each other. And this is my biggest pushback on the idea of becoming more, a more digitized world. I'm not going to argue that if you do, if you have a more digital presence, it will help your business. There's evidence that shows that you need to be 
on social platforms. You need to be staying top of mind. And I'm not arguing that. But one thing that I argue is, is it worth it? Because we're, I think we're, because you only have so much time in in your day. So you have to remove yourself from in-person experiences to make time for the digital experience. And I think that we're, we're, we're kind of selling ourselves short work. We're, we're settling for digital relationships when what we need, what we know, what the science proves is that we need in-person face-to-face relationships to be healthy. And I, and, and, and I think that it's really important that we focus and don't lose sight of that and find a balance. Um, because I think that we're, we're putting too much emphasis on the digital side of business right now. And I think that our mental health and our, and our well-being is suffering because of it. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. We, we joke that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of an analog company in a digital world. And, and we, and we, and that's, and we're proud of that, that we're all about face-to-face connection in our, in our business. And, and that's how we build our business. And that's one person at a, at a time through those, through that trust built by face-to-face interactions and being there for a customer and not being tr- transactional about that experience either. As soon as people feel like you're just taking advantage of them and trying to milk them for, for the transaction and make, make money from that interaction, um, then you've lost that customer. Yeah. For coming, and for coming back. I think this is a really good transition into the chemical, uh, the chemicals associated with hospitality, like dopamine and serotonin. Um, but here's the interesting thing. Why I think it's a good segue is because they've proven that social media is, uh, and these social platforms, these digital platforms are addictive because of the quick hits of dopamine we get in association with it. But why is that a bad thing? Exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, the level of, of loneliness in America, the statistics are, are hitting all to all time new highs and, and have really surged in the era of social media in this country. Um, um, dopamine. Yeah. Um, the fact is like every, like when, when you're liked or friended on social media, that, creates a small amount of a dopamine hit email creates dopamine hit text messages create a dopamine hit and companies like Facebook are basic and other companies are basically are aware of that McDonald's is aware of it too. And and the way they they formulate formulate their food, there's a lot of companies that are, they're basically taking advantage of the fact that there's dopamine, they're, they're intentionally trying to drive dopamine hits to us to encourage us to do certain things. You left out it's one like source, a, a one digital of, source. Almost like a form of manipulation. Uh, yeah, you, you, you didn't mention porn. You know, I know this is a business podcast, but whatever, but that's another big one. You yeah, know? porn and is, a, is a big one. Sugar is one, is a major dopamine, dopamine hit, and it's something that's proven now to be horrible for us. Yeah. Like rates of heart disease and diabetes and obesity in this country or a lot of it's driven by sugar, which is insane. And sugar is added to almost everything these days and food just to get us more addicted and to give us that dopamine hit. Um, and, uh, 
So it's like it's, it's almost like all these social platforms are the modern day corn syrup, you know, where it's a it's a substitute, but it's not the same. You know, it's 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 processed food, and we haven't quite figured out how bad this shit is for us. And I think we 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 won't figure it out until like another five or ten years until everyone's offing themselves, you know, or like there's just an unprecedented level of depression, you know, like I, yeah, I think yeah. we yeah, see the it more, Yeah. That we bring up something, the more dopamine addicted we are as a society, the less it, it, it kind of opens us up. It's, it's like a short term hit. It's not cocaine, for example, is a great example of, of, of the similar kind of reaction to to what sugar is it's like a short-term high that ultimately leaves us empty feeling empty inside afterwards versus serotonin and dopamine serotonin and oxytocin which are considered more the love chemicals and driven and driven and give us a, a a boost that's more sustainable and that only comes from direct human interaction from okay. being from having that close bond and trust built between people um, or oxytocin being the ultimate chemical that's driven by, we, we get that like when our kids are born, it's the reason we fall in love with our kids instantaneously and, and we'll do anything for our children. For example, our, our lovers, our, our soulmates, um, you know, there's that, that love and, and, and oxytocin that flows uh, from that, but serotonin is something you can drive just from a one-on-one interaction. Yeah. So what we say in our bars is we're trying to drive serotonin more than more than dopamine. Alcohol is a form of gives us a dopamine hit, um, but we're trying to drive serotonin, which is a much more lasting chemical that gives us ultimately more happy, more sustainable happiness in our lives. In- so we say, so we say, sorry to interrupt, but that people can drink at home, but all you're getting from drinking at home is the dopamine. When you come to our bars, you're getting serotonin. And that's the ultimate reason that people want to come back yeah. is for serotonin. So I was hoping that this would be a good segue into the significance of bars in the restaurant or just the, sorry, the, the significance of bars in society and restaurants in society um, in the role of a bartender or a server is that we don't realize how significant these roles are in delivering these chemicals to everyday people you know um we 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 live in a more detached world a more connected yet detached world than ever and i think people need to be able to go someplace and feel seen feel loved feel appreciated and there's a lack of that it feels like and i don't know maybe i'm overstepping by saying that i wasn't around 50 years ago i didn't know what it was like then but there's evidence that shows that that what i'm saying is true and i think that Bars, just like your bar in downtown LA was a resurgence in, in bringing back that community. I think that collectively the restaurant industry, the bar industry, if we recognize the significance, we can, we can inject this back into humanity and society. And I think that is a good, a good teaser for the continuation of our conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Sculpture Hospitality. Let's face it, running a restaurant is hard work and very time consuming. You are constantly managing customers, employees, vendors, menus, marketing, the list goes on. 
want something taken off your plate, especially something that's time consuming. I don't know, maybe something like inventory management. Is that a yes, a resounding yes? Well, then Sculpture Hospitality can help. Leave your inventory management to the experts while you focus on making your customers happy. With Sculpture, not only can they do the physical inventory counting for you, but they dive deep into your inventory data, combining that with your sales and purchase data using seamless integrations to give you real insights and visibility into your restaurant's profitability and putting your profits back where they belong. One other thing I think is really neat about Sculpture Hospitality is that you're not just paying for the inventory management. You're also paying for the expertise of the individual doing the inventory, whereas other inventory solutions just give you the system and not the human being. If you're ready to gain complete visibility and control of your bar or restaurant inventory, then get your free and no obligation inventory consultation from Sculpture Hospitality Right now, visit www.sculpturehospitality.com slash unstoppable. That's sculpture, like the pretty things made out of stone that artists create, hospitality.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guests. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. We're back and um, we want to wrap up today's conversation kind of just focusing on the role of bars in society, the history of and the continuing significance of bars and bar tenders, bar backs, servers in society. So where does it make sense uh, to, to pick up this conversation? We already talked about the chemicals that we get, the 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 impact of the heart within proxy proximity of people the these chemicals that are being released that we like we mentioned but what is the history of bars like what like why is is it the bar something like that there every school should teach history lessons on the bar you know what i'm saying yeah somehow bars in this country have gotten a bad name people assume like it's a place where degenerate people hang out and, and uh stay away from it because it's you know, they're, they're peddling alcohol. And, and uh, so, but if you look at the history of, of bars within the United States, you, you, you really um, 
um, you, you discover that this country was really founded in in the in the bars and taverns uh, of early United States. For example, the American Revolution was hatched. You know, the plans for the American Revolution were hatched in bars. George Washington ran for president by going from bar to bar, tavern to tavern across the country to to, to tell his message and celebrated for two days in a row, running up a huge bar tab when he won when he um, ran when he won won the presidency. Do you remember that number? I know you mentioned um, the, it in the book. Uh, the Declaration of Independence was by Thomas Jefferson was written in a bar. George Washington ran a whiskey distillery. And, um, you know, it's the, the fact is this country at one time, it was illegal for a city not to have a bar or tavern in it. Because, well, why though? Because, because, because bars were cons- and taverns were considered the, the communal center of the city. And the fact is that a great bar, when it's doing what we're talking about, serving serotonin, serving love and serving community, it, it, it becomes a communal hub for that, for that, where everyone in that, in that town or city feels welcome, feels accepted for who they are, feels seen and heard, feels loved for exactly who they are, no matter where they come from. It's it it becomes it it's it's like a magnet. It draws that community together. And there uh, were literal senator uh, centers in towns. Like you had like for a while, like the, the can you say like in the book there was the post offices were usually in the bar, and it, it wasn't just a place to go get church, drunk. Even the early churches, a tavern was built in a new town before a church was, so they would hold church services within the bars and taverns as well. I mean, it, it was it, like it was it a was legitimate community yeah. center uh yeah it was the center of the community and each town and city as this country was put together as each as a city was discovered and our new town was just is was was initiated i mean the word pub derives from public house you know like i, I think we just forget that like our history like like you said like this is where people came together shared ideas and communicated it was the glue it was the modern day social media you know Exactly. So, you know, I think we forget that and, and, um, prohibition, that era of prohibition kind of, they, they, um, they threw bars under, you know, under the bus and, and, and painted bar owners as these evil, evil people. But the fact is this, you know, most bars and, and, um, taverns and restaurants are, good hardworking people that are just trying to provide, you know, provide for the community. And, uh, and uh, so we don't think it deserves the bad rap that bars and bartenders have gotten over the years. Okay. So you you mentioned George Washington's bar tab. Uh, It was $17,000. And I I knew you pointed out, but in today's standards or by today's math, uh, if that that's the equivalent to what four. Four hundred and nineteen thousand five hundred and eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> that's almost a pretty half a million bar bucks spent. <laughs> and that's this bar tab. So, so yeah. Well, I thought that was funny. So, so those those folks could could drink back then and and celebrate, and and uh, you know and and bars and taverns have provided amazing glue for for America. 
you know, since the very beginning. So going into the future, uh, what is the message you want to deliver as far as why we need to recognize the bars and the bar industry as legitimate career? Well, we're, we're trying to build careers for, for bartenders and, and, and let people know that it's okay to be proud to be a bartender. Um, you certainly can make great money as a bartender. Bartenders, you know, get, get generally get minimum wage plus, but get most of their wages from, from tips. Tips are, are huge in the bar industry. You can make very good income working 30 hours a week. You can make the same money of a PhD in this country makes. So, um, and work 30 hours a week and be there to take care of other people at the same time. Um, so we, we want people to take a prod, you know, a lot of people consider bartending just a part-time gig that they get, they do before getting a real job. But in our company, we, we provide a clear path for people so they can start as a barback or buster. And we're already training them from there to how to become a, a great bartender, a legendary bartender that, be, that becomes a magnet for the community. And then on from there that they can, once they're, they're showing the attributes of pouring with heart and being there for everyone around them, then they naturally can, can move into leadership positions in our company and eventually run their own bar and then create careers for other misfits just, and keep the, and keep the cycle going for, for years to come. Yeah. What was the purpose of writing this book? Why did you want to write the book? And the title again is pouring with heart, the, the essential magic behind the bartenders we love. Um, I, I wrote the book as a, a love letter to our industry and also just to give people a clear roadmap so that they could be successful in, in a business that's given me so much success. Um, I really wanted to give it, give it away all the lessons that I'd learned the hard way in, in this business. Um, initially I made a lot of mistakes and fortunately by living the value of failing forward and learning and owning my mistakes and moving forward, I've come to learn a lot, mostly from bartenders and barbacks, fellow bartenders and barbacks and, and, and found a way to be really successful in this business, not only financially, but spiritually content and happy too. my whole my life is built around building careers for fellow misfits. And what could be more fun than that? I'm really super blessed. So this book was really an act of, of giving back in my mind. Yeah. And I, I just want to give you a little pitch. I mean, I think if you guys are listening to this and you have a bar in your restaurant, or if you are a bar first, get this book for every one of your employees to kind of set that standard of what it means to be a bartender and also to inject a little bit of pride into the work that they're doing to help them understand that their work matters, you know? And I think that that's one thing that you really do well in this book is, is you inject integrity into the role of a bartender and a bar owner for that matter. Uh, some of the chapters that are in this book, the titles of the chapters are, um, 
why work in a bar? Uh, America started in, in a goddamn bar. How to get your foot in the door at a bar. Uh, the wrong bar can be a career killer. So how to find the right bar for you basically is what that chapter is about. Uh, the, the bar back and why it's the most positioned in the bar. Uh, how to become a legend bartender moving into leadership positions and the pitfalls of the bar business. So it's, it's a really great book for anybody who is maybe new to the industry who likes it, but wants to learn how to do it really well. And you, you even go into detail as to like these legends that you've come across and what made them legends. And you, you paint that picture of what to aim for, which I think is really important of what, what's possible. What, 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 like, I guess the, the peak of being like, I don't know what that goal can be, the aiming point of what you, your career can be. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I think it's it's helpful for us all to be able to visualize, you know, somebody that we want to be more alike, and 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 um, so I tried to really paint the clear picture of what those legendary bars do, bartenders do, and and how they became legends as well, um, because all of us just by opening our hearts and and being there for other people can can work hard and and turn into legendary bartenders and and eventually run our own bar. Yeah. So what's your plan with this book? Are you planning on just uh, getting rich of off all the proceeds you get from this book and uh, run to the bank? Like what's, what's the deal? <laughs> no, all, all, all the profits from this book <laughs> go back to bartenders and barbacks that in case they get hurt, it's, it's like an emergency fund called the for each other fund for those bartenders and barbacks and bar teams that, in case they get COVID or in case they fall down a flight of stairs or get in a car accident, that it's an emergency fund to provide for them until they can get back on their feet and, and back behind the bar. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, uh, it, I'm, I'm getting given back here and, uh, and I hope you buy the book so that you can help out these, these folks. It's certainly the money's not going to me. So yeah, um, uh, going to a great cause for some great, some great people. Absolutely. If we want this book, where do we go to get it? Uh, go to it's available on Amazon.com, and it's there's a hardback, uh, paperback, and also an audio version that came out terrific with my my fellow barback Pedro Shanahan. Um, well, we're gonna get Pedro on the show. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedro is amazing. I'm looking Everyone forward to listen that. To his episode. He's an incredible person. Yeah, and um, the other thing too, I want to make sure our listeners know you're looking to grow by you said 800 percent in the next five hundred percent. Oh, sorry. Oh, what, what's what's next year? Three hundred. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah we're already one of the largest bar groups in the country. Twenty six locations across three states. Yeah, and, and we have incredible profit margins. We're, we're, um, but our our goals are all set around building careers for yes for bartenders. Our careers aren't. Our, our goals are not set about making profits. Our our goals are about people. Yeah, uh, and uh, we we really think we're more of now of a a people development company than we are a bar group. Yes, because we're about building careers for others it- and. Uh, it makes it so much more fun, much more gratifying and much more successful ultimately as well. And I will say in my journey of almost 900 interviews to this day, my, my goals kind of always been to understand and emulate 
the most successful business models, uh, not just on a monetary standpoint, but on a like a a, a sustainable standpoint. Uh, and I think what you're doing with pouring with heart is a great example of the the type of restaurant businesses I'd like to see. The people that realize that when I make my job about creating opportunity for others, then we all win. And you, you recognize that it's it's not about me, but it's about everyone else that comes into my organization and how can I create opportunities for them? And that's what the most successful restaurant tours do. But the thing that I, I like specifically about your model of investing in your people in their visions is that I think we forget, and I'm kind of pushing against like the franchise and corporate model, I guess is what I'm saying right now is that I think there's a certain level of, of creativity and um, identity associated within the industry. And I think we lose that in the franchise world, in the corporate world, and we're just creating more copies of one thing that was successful at one point. I think there needs to be a level of identity and creativity associated within the bar industry. And I think that when people invest in the visions of others, that's how we achieve it. Uh, because people, I think they, they, their, their businesses are an extension of who they are and their, their creativity. And I think that's an important element to this business that we lose in corporate and franchise settings. What are your thoughts on that? I, I tend to agree. I, I, I think in, in business in general, people are much, you know, when it's all driven by profits and and self-serving um then then you lose the soul of what the business might have been about you know capitalism is about advancing humanity and uh and hospitality should be even more more people focused than than general capitalism other businesses it's about service and being of service to others and uh the more more we give the more we receive and and uh, that's proven more and more to me every day. Um, we, 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 our company, you know, our all our 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 goals are set based on on giving back, and the, the returns that we get on that are, are not only financial, but but um, but just fulfillment of yeah. and, and life. You can't put you can't put a dollar sign on that. You can't put a dollar sign on it, and that's the beauty of of what hospitality is really yeah. about in so, my mind. So I guess where I'm going with all this is that they're growing by by 500 percent in the next 10 years. Uh, this is the type of restaurant or bar group you want to be a part of. Uh, they create opportunity for others. So if you guys ever had a dream of opening your own bar. I'm telling you, this is the company you want to get on board with. They're growing fast. There's going to be tons of opportunity for you. And I'm just giving you a little bit of a plug there, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're growing throughout the country and love for any of you to, to, to join us and, and uh, create careers for, for other, for fellow people and create some great bars and community hubs for throughout, throughout this country. Said, how can we get in touch? Uh, Come to my uh, website, www.pouringwithheart.com. Beautiful. Um, yeah, please. And, and, uh, and please pick up the book and, and help up some, uh, a great bunch of people too, that need, uh, help in case there's any kind of thing that knocks them out of their day-to-day job. Beautiful. So said, thank you so much. This is episode 881. Head over to restaurant slash eight 
81. We'll have a link to the book uh, as well as to said's business and a summary of today's discussion. Uh, and I got, I got to say it again. I've I got to say it again. I've said it once, but there is no questioning said you are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did, and I'm really excited for this new direction of just kind of paying attention to what's in front of me and pulling back the layers and and finding leads within the books I'm reading and finding opportunity within the interviews to go deeper and to create more opportunity for my guests to share their knowledge and their wisdom and their stories. And uh, that's what's happening. That's what's unfolding right before your eyes and ears. So I'm super excited for this. And uh, if you want to be a part of these conversations, this was a live recording in the network. You guys can join us live. You can connect with these people I'm getting on the show and be a part of the conversation. Uh, We have some cool conversations coming your way. Uh, We have the uh, chief strategy officer for Miso Robotics coming up into the network in a couple weeks. So Miso Robotics was mentioned in Troy Hooper's episode uh, and also in Massimo DeMarco's episode. His episode is going live in two weeks. We're a little ahead of the curve here, but this is good stuff. Uh, I'm really excited to, to kind of dive into the future of the industry. Uh, what's coming our way. We also have uh, Pedro Shanahan, who is a career barback uh, doing really amazing things for the pouring with heart restaurant group coming on the show in a couple of weeks as well. And we have David Dressler, who is one of the co-founders of tender greens. And he just came out with his book, the 10 year plan who he uh, co-authored with Eric Oberholzer, his co-founder of Tender Greens. And that book, I'm really excited to dive into too. You guys are in for a treat. His episode goes live on Monday of next week. This book that they wrote is more detailed as far as best practices and relationship management into the upper tier of like the executive suite and how like you grow as a company. A lot of what we talk about on the show is where you are with one to two locations, three to four locations, five to 10 locations. But what happens when you're scaling to like 30 locations? How do you, how does your role within the restaurant change and how do you evolve the book, the 10 year plan by David Dressler in Eric Oberholzer, man, they get into it and we're going to have him on the show as well. And I would love to have you be a part of it. So come hang out at restaurant unstoppable network. That's it for today. Until next time. Peace out.